Church, you ready for the word? I love these Sundays. We do tag team preaching, Young Gun Sunday, Young Communicators. And uh, I'm going to introduce all three in, in a moment. And, and church, I'm just going to ask us to be the most encouraging we've ever been. Can we do that? I know that I asked for a lot of amens, but I'm asking you to give more amens today. Is that okay? And uh, we have three young guns, young communicators preaching today. First, Aaron Gary is going to be preaching. If you don't know who Aaron is, he works in our senior pastor office. He's actually my assistant, and he loves his boss, as rumor set, says. Aaron also serves on the parking team, serves in a young adults community, and leads a community group. Uh, next preaching is going to be Michaela Masteller, who is our Wave City Care Director. And then to finish it up is Caleb Cox, who is our youth pastor at church. Can we stand to our feet? And can we encourage all three? But right now, can we encourage and welcome Aaron Gary as he comes to preach the word? First thing I want to do is honor our senior pastors, Pastor Stephen Sharon. I want to thank you for the example that you set, the example for faithfulness to each other, the gospel, the local church, and the truth. Come on, church, do you love our senior pastors? I also want to make sure I honor my mom. She's in the house this morning. She drove all the way from Richmond. And, and if you see her taking photos, don't worry. That's what mothers do. But she's just proud because she's documented a miracle because it's only by the grace of God that I am up here right now having the ability to preach about a God who is faithful, who knows us, who loves us, who redeems us, who never turns his back on us. You can go ahead and take your seats. I don't want to be like our Pastor Josh Kelly and make y'all stand for the entirety of the service. And for the record, yes, I am one of those guys who ran 36 miles that Josh was sick on, but it's okay. We forgive him. He's still a good friend and a great boss. I want to, I want to if you have your Bibles, could you open up the book to the book of Revelation? I know, Revelation scary, it's the end times, but don't worry, we're not talking about the end of the world today. I want to frame the conversation that the three of us are going to have with this one book, this one verse in Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And while you're turning there, maybe you have a real Bible, maybe you have a Bible that glows, maybe you have an iPhone or Android or whatever you may have, but you can open up your Bible. And while you're turning there, I'd like to acknowledge how good it feels to be called young at the age of 32. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives until death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Church, can I pray for us real quick as we come around the word of God? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth, God. In this moment as we speak, I pray that faith comes to life, that hope comes to life, that joy comes to life. God, we pray that you do what only you can do. In your name we pray. Everybody said, hey, how was your 2023? No, seriously, how was, how was 2023 for you? I love this time of year between Christmas and New Year's because it's the perfect opportunity to sit reflect and dream. Dream about all God can do in the upcoming year. Dream about all the goals you can achieve. Dream about all that God can accomplish in the new year. But I also love this time of year because it's the perfect time to sit and reflect. To reflect over the previous year. 
And if your 2023 was anything like mine, it was full of some milestone moments, things that you'll never forget. But maybe it was also full of some struggles, some challenges, some unseen problems and unseen pains. If your 2023 was anything like mine, it had some highlight moments, but it also had some hardships that you weren't predicting. It's the things that if you go back to your vision board in January of 2023, you left off. It's the thing where if you could plan your year perfectly according to plan, you would have planned it without this pain, without this burden, without this hardship, without this relationship fallout. If you could have planned your year according to plan perfectly, you would have left this out. Friend, I want to tell you, well done. Your year may not have gone perfectly like you thought it would, but you finished the year in God's house. Well done. It's the last Sunday of the year, and you finished the year in God's house. Well done. It's the last day of the year, and you finished the year in God's house. Well done. This year may not have gone the way that you thought it would, but God is not done with you yet. God is not finished with you yet. And many of us need to just encourage ourselves and tap ourselves on the chest and say, God is not done with me yet. Yes, I went through some stuff. Yes, I went through some pain. Yes, I had this burden. Yes, I had some sleepless nights. But God is not done with me yet. Come on, if you believe that God's not done with you yet, can you make some noise in the house this morning? Many of us face some opposition this year. And friend, I want to encourage you that God is not a distant God, but God is a faithful father. He's been there with you through it all and in it all. In the pain and in the nights, in the sleeplessness and the worry, God has been there with you in it all and through it all. No, God is a faithful father. He's, he's not like a distant God sitting back, throwing opposition your way, enjoying watching you fight for your life like Russell Crowe in the movie Gladiator. No, but God is a very present father, closer than you think, more than you realize God is with you. Opposition, it's the part of life that no one really signs up for, but no one's really excused from either. We're not exempt from it. Opposition, and whether it's opposition that's a direct attack from the enemy, because there is a devil and he does hate you. Or maybe it's a result of a fallen world. We live in a sin world. Yes, sin is real. Yes, it has corrupted us. Yes, it is true. Or maybe it's a result of you just getting in your own way. Because the devil doesn't always make you do it. Especially because you do it to yourself. Opposition, it's a really real part of life. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 lets us know this one truth. That opposition is a part of life. Yet victory is a part of life with Jesus. Opposition, it's a part of life. Whether it's from the devil, whether it's from sin, whether it's from yourself. Opposition is a part of life. Pain is a part of life. Struggle is a part of life. Yet victory is a part of life to, with Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning that victory is possible for you. Have you ever been in the place where you felt as if victory was, was not real? Have you ever been in a place where joy has robbed you or, 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 or sin has robbed you of your joy, robbed you of your hope? Where you feel as if like you couldn't dream for more, dream for better? I've been there. I've been there. At the age of 19, I lost my freedom. At the age of 19, I, I, I was arrested in Richmond City Jail. And I didn't tell my mom I was going to tell this story because if she cries, it means you know it's real. At the age of 19, I lost, lost my freedom. I was arrested in Richmond City Jail for, for armed robbery. I know, it's, it's serious. 
And what led me there was really just the beginning to the end. And what led me there was a lifestyle of drug use and drug abuse. And, and while most of my friends were excited to graduate high school and go off to college, I was excited to graduate high school and graduate another round of rehab. And so here I was, this 19 years old. I can't tell you the amount of times where I've woken up in the hospital just thankful to God to be alive and realized I overdosed again. And so here I was, 19 years old, laying, laying in jail, and I was denied right to a bond. And if you know what a bond is, throw your hand up. Just kidding. Y'all are my people. <laughs> Bond's a fancy word for they let you out of jail while you go to court. And here I was laying in jail, and I had my fair share of running with the law plenty of times, but this is the first time where they locked me up and they wouldn't let me out. And here I was laying in jail at some point, and, and as I'm laying there, in my heart, something touched me. Spiritually, not physically, because if something physically touched me, that would have been a fight, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> something touched me in my heart, and then this was this cry that said, you need help. I didn't know much about God at this point in my life. I, I, I couldn't tell you a lot about Jesus, but, but I can tell you now this may have been the first prayer that I prayed. And as I'm laying there in my heart, it says, you need help. And my response was, then help me. But I said it to myself because I didn't, everyone was sleeping and I ain't with those problems, you know what I'm saying? I said, help me then. I don't know if I went right to bed or, or I don't know what happened after that, but however I do know, I woke up the next morning and I was still in jail. Still in jail. And some point later on, I, I'm eating chow, and, which is a fancy word for lunch. And I'm eating chow, and it's not a fancy word. It's actually a bad word. I'm eating chow, and, and I hear the words Gary Bond. And I'm not even thinking about myself because I realized I didn't have a bond. It says Gary Bond. And I'm drinking my, my milk out of a bag, and I hear Gary Bond. And then I'm not going to call your name again. Then I realized, oh, they're talking about me. And so then I found out my family reached out to a local church and they had the opportunity for me to get out on bond as long as I went to this program and tried to find help for myself. And, and I go and I talk to the bail bondsman and they tell me the situation. And I said, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm tired of people trying to fix me, tell me how to live, or tell me what to do. I'd rather have my freedom in jail to live the way that I want to live than try to be someone that you want me to be. And after about sitting there for a few minutes in silence, I realized that same voice in my heart started crying out again. It said, just go, everything will be okay. So I tell the bail bondsman, you know what, I'm going to go. And, and, and if I don't like it, I'm going to go on the run. I find myself in this local church serving God, uh, not, not, not out of will, but out of force. And I find myself in a church service months later on down the road. And as I'm in this service, I hear in my heart, God created you for good. Which may, which may be really elementary to you, but for me in my mind, I thought that it was God created good people and bad people. And you were just dealt the life that you had and you couldn't do anything about it. So in my heart, I hear God created me for good, and so I wanted to make sure this was accurate. So I tell God, I, tell, I run down to the pastor, and I tell him, is this what you said? God created me for good. Is this true? Is this legit? So at this point in my life, I give my life to Jesus. Fast forward, I find myself going to court. My mom's picking me up, and on the way there, my mom asked me how I feel. I said, well, mom, either I'm going to start a Bible study in jail. They can't go anywhere. It's a good place to have a Bible study. Or I'll just come back and keep doing what I'm doing. I get to court and I tell the judge all that God's done in my life, all that I was believing for. 
And the judge is like, well, we all want, you know what, we, we, you deserve to have the book thrown at you. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send it to you to 10 years, but I'm going to suspend the whole thing. I don't know why I'm doing this. Someone with your charge should not be leaving this place. Friend, at the age of 19, I lost my freedom, but I found out that freedom is only found through the grace of Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, no matter where you are, no matter what you're in, that true freedom is found in the grace of Jesus. Come on, church, can we make some noise for Michaela as she comes? Thank you so much. I'm so excited that I was asked to be up here today. Um, today we're all preaching from Revelation 12:11, And that verse says, they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives unto death. And I love this verse because it gives us such a clear blueprint on the how to overcome the enemy when we're under attack. And the first way is because of Jesus and because of his sacrifice on the cross. And that's a gift that's freely given to us. But then the passage talks about the word of our testimony. So what is our testimony? Our testimony is not just an account of all of the difficult parts of your life. A testimony is a good report, and it's the story of God at work in your story. The enemy will do everything that he can to keep you from sharing your testimony because if you don't share about all the things that Jesus has done in your life, then the enemy can't be defeated. You will never overcome the enemy if you don't make the intentional decision to allow Jesus into every part of your story and to glorify him in the midst of your story. So how do we glorify God in the midst of our story? I have three main points that I just wanted to touch on um, for how we do that. And the first one is we glorify God in the midst of our story by choosing to give him praise. A few months ago, my husband and I found ourselves in a really unexpected season of loss. Um, we lost our first baby to a miscarriage. And for the days that followed, it was really, really hard because you never think that you're going to be in that situation until you are. Um, and I remember just asking God in the days that followed, like, God, why would you allow this to happen to me? You know, if you're good, this just doesn't make any sense. I remember a few days later, we were at a friend's wedding, and um, we, they had some time set aside for worship at the end. And I'll never forget that the song that they chose that day was called Goodness of God. And that moment was so impactful for me because in the middle of one of the hardest weeks of my life, we just joined together and we just started praising God. If you're not familiar with that song, one of the lines of that song is, all of my life you have been faithful and all of my life you have been so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. What we were going through was not good, and to the world that might seem counterintuitive, but we know that God is good. In that moment, we decided we know that God is good, and we know that God is faithful, and losing our baby hasn't changed what we know to be true about God. He's still worthy of our praise, and he's still worthy of our worship. <laughs> I promise you firsthand you will not always feel like praising God, but you will re never regret the decision that you make to do that. And making the decision of no matter what happens, I'm going to praise God anyway, it changes everything. And remembering who God is and meditating on his character and getting 
that thought of of ourselves, it puts us in a heavenly perspective. The second point that I have is we glorify God in our story by cultivating a language of faith. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that the power and life and death are in the tongue. I remember when I was in high school, like probably many of you, I took a foreign language class. I took Spanish for three years, and I only really practiced it when I was in class or if I had an assignment, but to this day, if you told me to say something in Spanish, I probably can't do that, honestly. Um, so, but if we're not careful, then cultivating a language of faith can be like that. If you're learning a new language, you can't just learn it by practicing it sometimes or even for a little bit every day. You have to continue to make the intentional decision to do that every day. When you're alone in your car, when you're in your kitchen, when you don't feel like it, in the little moments when no one's there to see it or hold you accountable for it, that is when you build a language of faith. And if you want to make it a natural part of who you are, then you have to put in the work to do that. Maybe you're in a season where you are wondering where God is in your story. And you might be wrestling with thoughts like, you know, if God was good, why would he allow this thing to happen to me? And in those moments, I would just challenge yourself to ask instead and shift that a little bit to what do I know to be true about God? And then say those things out loud and choose to declare those things. In our season of just navigating grief and all of those things, there's certain things that I had to choose to declare. And some of them are this. One of them, I know that God is always good. And that doesn't change because of what I'm facing. I know that God is faithful and I can trust him all the time. And he continues to hold my life in his hands. I know that God is enough for me. And if I had nothing else, then he would be all that I need. And I know that God stays the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's the rock on which I can build my life. Our words have the power of life and death, and there is so much power in the things that we say. And my last point is we overcome the enemy by surrendering to God. And surrender is not just a one-and-done deal. You know, after we left that wedding, we sang that song, everything was not perfect. And... It's sometimes a daily sacrifice, sometimes it's a moment by moment sacrifice, and we just had to choose to continue to surrender everything. There's two practical ways that we found to surrender, um, and the first one is by renewing your mind. Um, you need to continually take your thoughts captive and make sure that the thoughts that you have align with God's word. Proverbs 3.23 says to be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. And that's a very blunt verse, but we are called as Christians to live with a heavenly perspective. Colossians 3.2 says to set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. And that doesn't mean ignoring the reality of what's going on around you and living in denial. But what it does mean is choosing to glorify God in everything that is happening around you. It's a discipline to glorify God, and you have to make the choice to do that. And because of Jesus, we have such an incredible hope, and that is such a wonderful gift that we have. The second point that I have is just to be honest with God. We have the opportunity, because of Jesus, to talk to the creator of the whole universe anytime that we want to through prayer. You can talk to him and take your worries directly to him. He can handle the questions and even the things that you don't know how to say. 
Whenever I'm real with God and I choose to come before him with gratefulness, I always walk away remembering how much I can trust him from the faithfulness I've seen in my life. I want to encourage you that when we walk in step with God, we can experience true healing and actual genuine peace. And I've experienced it firsthand that if we give him room to move in our story, then we can see the, his faithfulness so much more clearly. John 16, um, is Jesus talking to his disciples before he goes back into heaven. And he says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. We are not promised an easy life just because we follow Jesus. Our world is broken and it's full of sin. And because of that, we're going to experience things that we were never meant to experience. But we can't let the negative experiences that we have in life or with people to distort our view of God. You can look at the trials that you face with confidence and a peace that might not make sense to the world. Um, because you know that when you submit things to Jesus, the enemy can't win. And from an earthly perspective, we can totally get it wrong. You know, God has blessed me in my life. And I have testimony after testimony of his goodness that I've seen. But he's not good because of what he has done for me. He's good because it's who he is. And it's his character and his nature. And that's what gives me confidence when I'm in the valley. Because if my faith in him is only justified when things are going well, then what happens when something goes wrong? Putting our trust in the wrong things can allow us to be shaken when life gets hard. Unshakable faith comes from a heavenly perspective, and our heavenly perspective gives us hope. We overcome the enemy through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and by the word of our testimony. And our story can glorify God when we choose to give him praise, when we're intentional with cultivating a language of faith, and through continual and intentional surrender. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Michaela. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Church, I'm just 26 years old and I've been married for three and a half years, the best three and a half years of my life to my beautiful wife, Sabrina. And we have... One nine-month-old baby boy named Micah and another one coming in April. They're gonna be 13 months apart, and I know what you're thinking. They wasted no time at all. This is true. But I wanna give some context of life growing up for my, for my family and for myself. Life growing up was not easy at all. I, I mentioned it a, a couple weeks ago in church. My dad dealt with drug addiction over the years, and he would actually abuse over-the-counter drugs that often left him abusive, angry, and left our whole family really, really hurt and broken. And I remember over the years, even financially, it set in and would hit us because we could never even stay in a home. At one point, we were in the Econolodge Hotel for over a year. And I remember being a 10-year-old boy, I shared this a couple weeks ago, taping a Christmas tree picture up to the wall because I knew we wouldn't have a Christmas tree that year. I share that story 
to share that this is my story and it's a miracle. I'm here, it's a miracle. I get to stand as the youth pastor here at Wave Church. It's a miracle. I and my family are alive and loving Jesus today. And I know there's a lot of people in this room that are older than me that have been through more obstacles than me, but I know I've had my own share too because following Jesus, this is my first point, doesn't guarantee a life free from trouble, but it does guarantee I don't have to do it on my own anymore. And I think about the past two years for my family and I, in 2021, it was our first year of marriage, me and my beautiful wife, Sabrina, and, and we were looking to buy a home, but we knew we wanted to buy a home out of strength. So we prayed about it and, and had peace to sign our apartment complex lease for one more year. After doing that, just a few days later, I remember on May 20th, 2021, everything was about to change. I remember the details of the night. I remember we came home after youth and just being a newly married couple, we we're like, hey, let's sleep in the living room tonight. That'll be fun. We have comfy couches. I don't know why we did that, but the couches were comfy. So we fell asleep in the living room, which is good because we're heavy sleepers. And had we not been in the living room, I wouldn't have heard at 4 a.m. a loud banging knock on the door with my neighbor screaming and running away from the other side saying, I've tried all I can, there's no one home. I jumped up, I'm home is the first thing I think in my head. I turn on the light switch, it's a miracle at work, there is smoke everywhere. And I looked at my wife and in the middle of all the smoke, she is still sleeping too. Church, pray for us, we're very heavy sleepers. <laughs> And we're the couple that sets like 10 alarm clocks. I wake her up, we run out the house. I don't even have shoes or socks on my feet. I'm barefoot and we run down to the bottom. When we look up, everything is burning. Our apartment, actual bedroom window shattered and was completely on fire. I think there's a photo. Where that flame is the biggest, that's where I was heavy sleeping. <laughs> and I think there's the next photo of the devastation after that inside the apartment. I think it'll go up. That is our beautiful apartment. And I remember when we got down to the bottom and we looked up at the fire, we saw everything burn in real time. Everything that we thought we held near and dear burned. And at the same moment, we had a pretty cool realization that those were just things. I had my beautiful wife, Sabrina, next to me and I had something irreplaceable. That was our relationship with Jesus. We had everything and more. But thankfully, if you're renting right now, get renter's insurance because we had that, praise God. And as well, we had a church family that rallied behind us. And church, I wanna say thank you for supporting us in that time when we needed it. I think about my brother-in-law and sister, Matt and Jess, who housed us and then sold us their house for a ridiculously good price. And I think about how God orchestrated all of that, a lot of good out of a really bad situation. So you might think you're in the worst situation right now. I wanna encourage you, look closely, you'll find pieces of Jesus in the midst. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Fast forward, we're living in our dream home now, and a year later in November of 2022, we're actually in um, the month of our prayer and fasting as a church. And I, I wanna mention that because I think it's pretty important to note with the prayer that actually came up on this night. It was my final night of prayer and fasting. I was doing a just water fast and at 10.15 I woke up to my mom calling me. Now I know she just started her shift, her overnight shift at Walmart and my mom's a hard worker so she's not playing around. She doesn't call during her work time. So she calls and I knew it was serious. I picked up and my mom said that there was an active shooter in her Walmart store and she asked me to pray for her. And she said, I just want you to pray for me and I want you to tell the rest of the family I love them if I can't give them a call. 
because I'm trying to be as quiet as possible. So I pray with her and I, 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 we, we disconnect. My whole family prays and we rush over to this Walmart. We see my mom outside the Walmart. We hug her, we talk to her. And she said, little did she know, she was actually at one point when she fled, she was face to face with the gunman. The gunman looked at her right in her eyes. It was her manager. And he turned away as if he didn't see her and moved away from her and she got out. Church, I'm sharing the story. It's a really terrible story. What happened that night, it's terrible and it was evil. But I do know that God is good. If my mom made it out, he was good. If my mom did not make it out, he is good. The story is this. God is someone I can call on in trouble. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge. God is our strength. And he is an ever-present help in trouble. You can call on Jesus in trouble. The final story, around that same time, I know, I can't get a break, can I? Around that same time, my wife and I, we... we we're pregnant with our first baby boy, Micah, and we went to get an ultrasound, and the doctor actually found that there was a heart valve leak. And I remember thinking, well, God knits us together in our mother's womb, so maybe you took a photo before God was done knitting. That was my first thought. And then as we went back from appointment after appointment after appointment, it got a little bit more serious. They said, guys, you really need to consider what could happen because this heart valve is not seeing any improvement. And I remember our second to last appointment, the doctor looked at us and said, a scale of one to your baby dying, here's where your baby is. I remember thinking, that's a terrible scale. Why would you say that to me? And I remember fear started to creep in. And I remember our final appointment, we step into CHKD. And this is a really important appointment because this is the appointment that we're actually gonna figure out if surgery is gonna be needed on our baby's heart when he's born. I remember waiting in the ultrasound room with my wife, and before even the doctors came in, we began to pray in the spirit and then the peace of God entered the room. Like the peace Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. My heart and my mind needed peace and Jesus brought it. There is nothing like the peace of God. I remember looking at Sabrina in that moment after praying in the spirit and saying, our baby is okay. And then she responded and said, oh, I already know he's okay. The ultrasound tech comes in and said, after examining Micah's heart really closely, she looked at us and said, who told you your baby's heart valve was weak? I said, every doctor before you. And then she looked at us and said, there is no evidence that your baby's heart ever had a leak. And I actually wanna let you know that we zoomed in on the heart valve and it's actually a little unusual that it is this strong, this formed at this point in time. And I think there's a picture of my baby boy. On the screen, Micah Daniel, he'll pop up any second. There he is. And I still hear it to this day when I remind myself of God's faithfulness, I remind myself of that moment. Who told you there was a heart valve leak? In church, I gotta ask, who told you that you can't overcome the obstacle in front of you? Who told you that sickness is what you have to settle for? Who told you there is no other way around the situation in front of you? Because my Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror and your Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we can trust Jesus. Jesus, we can trust him at his word, and we can know that when obstacles come, our faith does not have to exit the room. Can I get an amen? amen? We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And if we really overcome 
by the blood of the lamb, the blood of Christ that was poured out for us. My question to us, church, is have we accepted it? Have we put our faith and our trust in Jesus because you can know him today for yourself as your Lord and as your Savior?